Welcome everyone to Conversational Witchcraft with me, Dawn the Kitchen Witch, and I'm very happy to say today I have the lovely Charity Bedell, aka also known as Luna Wind. She has been a practicing witch for nearly 20 years. She's trained in both modern Wiccan style witchcraft and more traditional style witchcraft. She's an eclectic witch drawing from many different cultures and traditions while keeping them separate in her own practice. In 2013, she opened Mystic Echoes, which is a metaphysical store specializing in handcrafted herbal products for use in magical and ritual work. She is a trained Reiki Uh, practitioner and Reiki master teacher. And she also practices her own form of energy healing and spiritual work. And I am so happy to have her on the show uh, because we've had to reschedule this like a hundred times because of my crazy life. So she's also a very patient individual. Uh, Thank you, Charity, for being here. Hello. 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 I'm so happy we finally got to do this. I like have I it's been a mixture of both relief because oh good I can I take some more time to psych myself up and prepare prepare and at the same time I have to wait again. I'm so sorry to make you wait, but hopefully, uh hopefully it will have been worth the wait. Uh, it must have been because my little serious cat is behind me and he doesn't usually come out for podcasts, so he must be very excited. Um yeah, so so we were talking back and forth in all of our emails and realize that we've actually met like a million years ago, right? Yes. Um, shortly when you, shortly after, I think you very first opened your business, you used to come up to the, uh, when Maine had a pagan pride day, you used to come up to the main pagan pride day and sell your goodies. Yes. And then, um, after that, Um, I started traveling the fair circuit with my own business. And then we met again a couple times at Magical Marketplace. Magical Marketplace. Other events. Yeah. um, You were actually one of the inspirations behind um, opening my own business with Mystic Echoes. Oh, my goodness. No. Yes, it was. um, It was listening to one of the talks you gave about how you were working on, you know, what you wanted to do with your life and getting out of what you versus your uh, regular job at the time. And then over time, you were able to build up your business to where it is and be able to do that. And that's was inspiring for me oh between that. And then a couple trips in Salem where I was in the show, in the um, shops, Hex and Omen mm-hmm. between that, that's like, I was having like, okay, this is what I really want to try to do. So I am so honored by that. Um, You know, it is, it is a long, long, long road when you want to step out of your comfort zone and, you know, like your steady job and decide, "Mm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then when you decide, not only am I going to be an entrepreneur, but I'm going to be a witch entrepreneur. Um, It's, it's kind of a double whammy and it is really hard. And so I think it's important that, that you brought that up, especially first thing in this conversation, because there's a lot of people that listen to this that think, oh, maybe 
I could not do that. Or, you know, how do I get started? Or, you know, and I, I, I think to myself, like, if I trust me, I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm very, very ordinary. And if I could do this, just with determination and balls, like that's what it takes, right? Determination and balls. Um, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that, you know, you looked at my journey and went, you know, maybe I could do that too. And you have, oh my goodness, right? Like you opened your shop, you've got a book out now, you've contributed to a lot of writing things like, you know, I mean, what's that journey been like for you? It's, it's been, um, semi, it feels semi unrealistic. Like it's not actually happening. Very surreal. But at the same time, it's like, nope, this is happening. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing what I want to do. I'm, it's difficult. It's a lot of work. I don't always, the financial ends from the products aren't always what I would like, but I, I wasn't necessarily getting in it for the money. Yes, I wanted to make money because I wanted to have that be my job, but I'm getting into the making the products and right. running that business because I want to give something to the work to the world in general. And if having a place where people can come buy a couple of products and try something magic for a little bit is one of the ways I can do that. Right. And I'll be okay. Right. And and that's another really great point, right? I think a lot of people get into metaphysical work. And uh, I think it's a it's a it's a real challenge to figure out how to charge. It's a real challenge to how to figure out how do we make money doing what we do and still feel like we are ethical, uh, spiritual workers. Um, I think that's a misconception. I think, uh, and I've had this conversation with a couple of people, like, especially when you are in a spiritualist community or in the magical community, we think sometimes, especially when we're starting out, that we're not allowed to charge for our specialty. We're not allowed to charge for our skill. Um, and the truth is that we must because we are giving so much energy. And so we need to receive that energy back in the form of cash so that we can continue to do the work that we're doing, right? But it is challenging. I look at it as back in the olden days, the village, which uh, was often, she didn't have to buy things or get things because when they needed something, the farmer would bring over milk from, one of the farmers would bring over milk from a cow. Mm -hmm. Another farmer would bring in a vegetable that they didn't grow in their garden and they would trade their goods for their services. So while it wasn't money, it was still, they were still compensated by with things that they needed or could use to survive. Yes, make, still making a living. It was just different because now we don't barter. I think we should. I think oftentimes we should barter, you know? Like some of the most rewarding experiences that I've had have been situations where I've gotten the opportunity to barter. Have you had that experience as you've been growing your uh, business? There, yeah, there are... Uh... There are some there are some people I that I've known well enough that I'm like, all right, you how about we do this instead? We do a little bit of a trade, whether it be a service trade or a product. 
Like I have, um, I've traded one of my books for something of an equal value at a different, at another shop because they really wanted my book, but they didn't have the cash and they yep. didn't want to take the cash from their sales. So I'm like, well, let me go over and see if there's something that I want that's about the same price. And yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's fun for me as a kitchen witch, because even in my own personal life is not necessarily in, in the business, but, um, you know, I've traded meals for healing services. I've traded, uh, meals for readings where I've said, listen, I'll cre- I'll, you know, magically make you a meal, um, with intention and whatever you want. And in exchange for this, I've gotten like, you know, someone is giving me a reading or someone has given me, um, you know, Reiki or whatever. And that's important as, you know, I mean, I know we're here to talk about your journey, but your journey as a, as a witchy entrepreneur is so important to the work that you're doing in your books and in your teaching, you know, to have this idea of, um, what I like to call fair energy exchange, right? Like there's a value on it. Um, and we exchange that energy. Like right now we're having a conversation, we're exchanging our energy. Um, but like you said, if you're going to barter with someone, you're going to go, okay, well, is there something that you have that I feel has the same value as what I'm giving out? And that's so important to understand your value, right? Especially as a witch. It is good. Um, there are some people who look at who, uh, who I've, I've seen people come by my ta- table a couple of times and then look at the prices I had on, on like four on a bag of like four ounce of four ounces of incense for like seven dollars. That's a bag this big mm-hmm. for that has four ounces of an incense for like seven, eight dollars. Like That's a lot of money. I'm like. Yeah, but uh, there's the you I there is the physical grinding of the herbs. There's the enchanting of the herbs. There's the mixing, the blending. There's a lot of work in it. It's not just I don't just oh I like this I like this I like this put it all together then bag it. Right. No, there is a long process. Right, you get what you pay for. Right, especially when you're dealing with witchcraft and you're dealing with magical things. Like I don't want to go into a shop where everything is bought from China and resold. I want to go into a shop and know that, you know, what's being provided to me is something that is made with the care and the love and the energy that is, you know, is from the person across the counter so that I know that my, when I take this item home, whether it's incense or candles or whatever, when I take this home to work in my practice, it is going to be as energetically potent as if I made that incense myself, you know, it's so important that we have value on those things. How does your, um, cause you're very eclectic in your practice, right? Yeah. How do you find that, um, your eclectic practice really, um, informs the products that you're making, um, and the crafts that you're selling? Well, that is, um, a lot of the, one of it is that I've found, um, Across cultures and traditions, sometimes I found and learned about different herbs that aren't covered in my witchcraft books that I found in a conjure book or a book 
on hoodoo or another form of folk magic. And so sometimes I will look at those and and I will look at those herbs and roots compared to the other herbs and roots that I have. And I like to combine and I like to combine the two when it, in ways when it's possible. It's not all they don't always all work together. But some of them you can see it's like it'll be like protection from evil or just general protection. And then what you'll read down, it'll be like, okay, this is how exactly how it does mm. that. It's similar to how this one does it. So if I can I work those two together, and then you look at the lore, I look at the lore, and if they're close enough in similarity, I can often energetically get them entwined and get them to work together. Right. So my the herbs and the the recipes I come up with combine a bunch of different different cultures and practices. But it's always I always look at all the <clears throat> the energetic properties for and then of the cultures and of the different herbs. And then I also like let myself have the spirit and intuition guide me because sometimes I'll mm. I'll pick out four or five herbs to put in an incense and I'll start making it and then something will tell me no take this one away add this instead I'm like okay so that goes a long way spirit and intuition and being able to listen to spirit intuition when you are when you're doing your magics and you're you're making your products and being able to identify is this my brain saying something or is this actually coming from higher self? Is this actually coming from spirit? I'm really interested in your journey because you're really well educated in in your herbs and in your practice and in your um in your crafting in terms of how you're putting things together. But I'm really interested to go a little bit further back, Charity, and tell us a little bit about how you found the path of witchcraft. I actually found it um, shortly after my 13th birthday. I was dealing with a lot of really bad social stuff at the time. I was very depressed. Mm. I was very angsty. And I was lo- we were losing uh, my grandmother to lung cancer at that point mm. in time. And I had a cousin come up for Thanksgiving. And on Black Friday, we went out to the city to chill for the day while, for, for a couple hours while my mom worked. And she went out and bought me a copy of Teen Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. Oh, what a great book. What a great So many people, that's their first book. That was my book. And like many people, my mom at first went the gamut of, okay, that looks cool to wait, what? Right. And then back to, okay, cool. It was after she read the introduction to parents and then read it again, read the back again and realized the keywords, nature, spirituality, connection to goddess and God in universe. Once she read that, she's like, okay, I think you can have this. So how did, how did uh, reading that book, um, you know, what did you think? You're 13 years old, you're going through all this loss in your life. And I would assume at 13 years old, that's the the first loss in your grandma being very sick. <clears throat> How did you react to it? Were you like, oh my goodness, this makes total sense? Or were you like, oh, this is a little weird? Like, 
Tell us about how you took that in as a young girl. It it made sense to me because um, while my parents were both Christian and they raised me Christian, my father also has always taught me that there's a spirit in everything and that there's a great spirit and that we're all part of mother nature. So when I looked at that, what thinking about the things my dad used to tell me, like no one messes with mother nature. You got to respect all the animals. They're alive just as much as we are. And then I saw that I'm like, it's just another way of looking at that same stuff, same view, just through a different lens rather than because he came, um, he had a my dad, I guess, had some friends that were um, from various native tribes in the state at one point. I don't know if he's no longer connected with them. So that's why I say he, they were friends and he learned a bit about their nature, spirituality. And that's where he was coming from to teach that when he was teaching that to me. And I, instead of being First Nations, Native American based, it's European ancestry based and based on European indigenous practices. So it was in a way it was it was it was new, but yet it wasn't at the same time. It's so fantastic to think that your family really understood that what you were reading and what you were getting into was still really relatable. You know, um, as a young woman, that could have gone one way or the other, right? If you had parents that discouraged you, you might have uh, veered away from the path or you might have hid your interest in it. And instead you were able to say, Oh no, wait, look, you know, nature spirits and connection to earth. And, and your parents were in a place where they could really understand that because of their experiences and because of their friends and references, they were really able to say, Oh, that's cool. You know, um, go ahead, go, go learn everything you can learn. How wonderful was that? You know, and then I, I would imagine that that really helped you through the the sickness and the loss of your grandma. It really was because um, that's how I was able to accept that. Um, one of the, one of the things I was taught me then was that the gods often choose, take those that they need by their side earlier than we would like. Mm. And it was like she has. I accepted it as my grandmother had work to do as a spirit that she could no longer do in her body on earth. So she was taken to the spirits to be able to do that work as a spirit. How wonderful to have, uh, you know, I think that's something that uh, death is a, a difficult thing for us to deal with as human beings. I think it becomes even more difficult when we are young people and we're still dealing with our own emotions. We don't really even know who we are, or what we're doing or whatever. And oftentimes in my lifetime, just from my own experience, so, you know, your parents' faith can get shoved down your throat and it doesn't always feel right or sit right with you. The fact that you at that pivotal time were learning about your own journey and your own spirituality and able to reconcile losing your grandmother through what you were learning about your own spirituality is really 
is really very beautiful um, and a uh, very healing and probably been helpful th- throughout your lifetime. It's been helpful with other losses that I've had. Um, just recently, um, in October, I lost my grandfather and mm. his funeral wasn't until November. Mm. And my husband lost his grandmother like two weeks after I lost my grandfather. Wow. Wow. That's so rough all at once. Right. Yeah. And it's the knowing that all the pain, all the problems they were dealing with in their physical life are gone and that they are reunited with all of their loved ones helps go on. I still miss my grandfather. I miss his smile. I miss his laugh. Sure. But I know that he is now with all of his brothers and his sister and his mom and all of the other family members that died many, many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. He's with them now and they're all family and happy together again. Wow. That's wonderful that your craft has been able to give you that sort of uh, assurance and unwavering assurance. That's something that oftentimes we may lose that faith when we come up with, when we're we're abutting really hard times, right? Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you believe in. It doesn't matter if you're a witch or a Christian or whatever. I think when we come up against hard times, especially those that have to deal with loss and grief uh, over people that we really love, we can often be like, well, (laughs) fuck this. Like, I don't believe in anything anymore. You know? Um, so that's really wonderful. And that really shows how, you know, your, your faith in there your were craft. times that I did question it. There were times where I'm like, I don't know if there's anything up there or not, because I, I was dealing with clinical depression at the same time. So I went back and forth with it for a while. And then I just, in the end, I came to this decision that I've just experienced too many examples of deity and spirit doing something in my life for me to not say, okay, there is something out there, mm-hmm. whether it's the gods that I pray to, whether it's Christian God or any of the other gods, I don't know. I believe they're all up there and they all exist, mm-hmm. but I just know it's something beyond me. They're out there. They do something. They help us. And right, it's something that is uh, bigger than us. And um, like you said, you know, all of the deities are all there, um, and they're all working. And and it's like who, what energies are we feeling today, and who's helping us today, and all that. Sometimes I'm not sure. Like you got to be honest. Like sometimes I'm like I'm not sure about this, but. I still know that there are divine energies, whether it is gods and goddesses, whether it is fairy realm, whether it is ancestral magic, you know, um, someone somewhere on these spiritual planes is doing something, doing everything to help move us in one way or another or help support us in one way or another. I think that's a very important part of witchcraft that we don't, I don't particularly talk about a lot. And a lot of people, that's the space that they work in all the time. And it's just not a space that I work in all the time. So I sort of love that that's what we're, 
what we're having the conversation about uh, right now. And that's interesting because I'm interested in what inspires you in your witchcraft practice on a regular, on a daily basis. Yeah. Hmm. In my, in my work in general, there are a lot of things that, that inspire me. Sometimes it's, looking at my own personal travels, difficulties and experiences and being like, okay, I bet I could do this to help someone else. Mm. And that's where some of my, some of my um, aromatherapy products came from thinking of, these are things that I want to use myself. I bet someone else could use them too. And then other inspirations come from, I'll go to a shop or I'll go to a fair and I'll see something and be like, oh, huh, I bet I could make that. Or I, could, I bet I could do something like that. Mm-hmm. And put your and own like personal energy and your own personal spin on that and be like, oh, if I was going to make that, I might do it this way or I might use these herbs, right? Um, sorry, um one day I um, was looking at, um, I was thought, I thought about those little God's eyes that you make with um, popsicle stick and yarn and you wrap it around and across yeah. like that over, under, around. Yeah. And I thought, well, the lore behind that originally was as a protective charm at some point. Hmm. I bet I could make an actual witchcraft charm with this. So then I took two pieces of devil's shoestring and I put them in a cross like that. Mm-hmm. And then I put red and black um, wire that I wrapped around and said the St. Michael's prayer over and over as wow. I wrapped it around and got it. And I came up with this really cool devil's shoe tree, devil's shoestring St. Michael's protection cross. So cool. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I don't have any in, any more, but it was one of the coolest things I've ever, I've ever come up with. And it's just, it doesn't look much, but yet it's, it's got that power. It's got the G, it's got everything there. So it's like, yeah, this is fun to make. It doesn't have to look like much to be powerful magic. Just because something is simple or it is, um, you know, it doesn't look like much because you said, oh, it didn't look like much. Sometimes those things are the most powerful magics, you know, the simpler, the better sometimes, I think. Indeed. And I mean, I have, I've had, I gave a couple of those charms, a couple of those charms I made, I made to give out to a couple people specifically as a Thank you for everything you've taught me over the years. Mm-hmm. I want you to have this. And then the others I sold. And right. <laughs> they sold very quickly. Sure. I mean, each one, each one had a handwritten copy of the St. Michael's Prayer in my handwriting, giving the with the prayer and had the instructions to at least once a week recite the prayer over the charm to keep it activated and People would kept would pick it up, then they'd look at something else, but then they kept pick, picking up and just kept selling them. So I got to make more of those for, sometimes soon. Absolutely. Again, simple magic is sometimes the most powerful. And I think it's the thing that people relate to and that people are drawn to. And usually it's what people need. 
you know, that daily kind of everyday energy work and energy magic that kind of helps you get through life. You know, like if we're doing, if you have a big thing going on or a big thing you're trying to manifest, you're doing a larger spell or you're doing something that is, you know, in a bigger ritual or something like that, but that's not every day. Something like you're talking about this, the small protective charm that is something you could do every day or take with you everywhere. Like that's so much more tactile. And that's so much more about like just splitting off a little bit, you know, in your, your new book container magic, which we're going to get to in a minute, but it's the kind of thing that you have in here that is simple, daily, uh, accessible, easy to work with. But before we get into your book and we're going to get into that after the break, but before the break, I want to go back to something that you said earlier, where you said you struggled with clinical depression and First of all, thank you for sharing that with us as that's, you know, not hard, an easy thing to talk about, but we've talked a lot about that kind of thing here on the show. And, um, I'm interested to know if you could speak a little bit to maybe people in our audience that have dealt with clinical depression and how your witchcraft has helped you with some of those things. Oh, it is, um, one of the things I learned was through working with the um, hermetic principle of polarity was that I was able to learn how to transform my things like my depression and anger and frustration into energy I could use to fix the problem. So I would turn anger and frustration into determination and um, passion and okay, I know what the problem is. This is what I can do, and it takes it takes time and effort. And I have you have to I have to let myself experience the anger and the sadness and the depression for a bit. But once I get the initial bit out and have released the emotion, then I can look use that emotion to look at what the problem was and transform that into something I can use to get something else done. Yeah. And That's I also wonderful. use, um, one of the things I did was, and it's in my, this is in my first book, which is called The Good Witch's Guide. Um, that was came out in 2017. And it's a daily shower spell. Mm. And I end up washing my book. I wash myself twice. I shampoo and condition my hair twice. The first is just the regular washing shampoo to get done. And the second, as I'm washing, I am I'm I'm saying a mantra like cleanse and clean, cleanse and clean, remove the negative unseen, healing comes today, things along those lines. And as I wash, I make sure I wipe down because it's like I'm removing something. I'm trying to bring something to me in a bath or shower, I wash up, mm-hmm. but growing down for removing up for growing because that's wow. how I like to do it. Some people have it be have different ways they like to use it, but for me, that's what made sense was because when I get out of bed, I and remove, I toss the blankets, I pull them down. Mm-hmm. But when I want to think about growing, I think of going from the bottom up. So that's why it makes sense. I think that's a really, 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 really powerful. Um, And again, that daily kind of 
ritual. Like I teach people when I'm teaching kitchen witchery to have these simple um, kitchen rituals of, it sounds crazy, washing your hands, right? You shower every day. I shower, well, mo- most people shower every day. I shower every day. Some people shower every other day, whatever, however, it doesn't matter. But like I wash my hands every time before I cook a meal, every time. It's instinct. It's just in my, you know, you just do it. Just like you get up out of bed, you take the covers off and you get into the shower. When you do those things mindfully, they can become magic, right? If I'm washing my hands before a meal to ensure that I'm not putting any negative energy in my meal, I'm making sure that I'm washing away whatever my day is, whatever my stress is before I begin the magical work of cooking this meal, right? So I love the parallel of taking a shower for healing purposes to wash away any of that negativity to deal with you know, ridding yourself of that and then being energetically clean as well as physically clean. I think that's just a really, really wonderful little, you know, everyday tip uh, that I hope everybody listens to because that's a really cool thing. And I thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. I mean, and one thing I like about that is that it can be, you can even make it more formalized and ceremonial by bringing in the four elements because the four elements are present in the walk in your shower you got fire in the form of the heat that heats the water mm-hmm. you got the water that washes in general you got the steam from the shower and the heat water for and that's the nice. air and then the earth is the soap so you have all four of your elements right there in your shower and you can right. actually get if you're the kind of person, because some people prefer to be more ceremonial and more elemental and calling in all the elements whenever they're doing any form of spellcraft or ritual. So they can do it that way. Or you can just do the cleanse and clean, cleanse and clean, remove the negative that is unseen. I love that so much. I think that both is... Both, I, I go back and forth depending on how I'm feeling. Some days I feel more ceremonial and I want to be more formal in my work. So I will do the invocation of the elements into the shower. Other days, I just want to shower and clean and get the day going. So then I'm just like, okay, (laughs) cleanse, 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 clean. Negative's gone. Okay. Time to go. I think that's, that's so fantastic. And I, I'm going to do that tonight. I'm a night showerer. I like to shower before bed. Um, I'm, I'm definitely like my, my partner likes to shower in the morning, it gets going for me. A hot shower puts me to sleep. It helps me let go of my stressful day. So, um, this is a really great thing that I'm going to start to employ probably right away, uh, that again, using it to wash the day away, washing away, anything that's negative, that's unseen, especially before bed for me so that I could have a, a restful sleep. So thank you. That is fabulous. I can't wait to try it. Yeah, because I mean, one you can add in visualizations. Like you can add in actually seeing the energy, like the the negativity becomes the soap bubbles on your skin, mm. and you literally wash them down and wash them. Watch the bubbles go down the drain. I love and it. And as it so goes much. down the drain, it's taking away the negativity with you, with it. That is so fantastic! Wow. Okay, so uh, we've got to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors our wonderful, wonderful sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your uh, new book, which is called Container Magic. We will be right back. (music) 
Hey guys, I've just got to tell you all about the Robin's Nests. They're one of my absolute favorite shops uh, for everything for my metaphysical and spiritual needs. They've got gifts and crafts and potions and ritual items and books and books and books. Uh, of course, candles and crystals and ritual wear. So, so many things to help you on your spiritual practice. Um, but what really makes the Robin's Nest special is the owner, Robbie Packard. She does so much to bring community and friendship and openness welcoming people into her space at the Robin's Nest, but also into this spiritual space of anything pagan, witchcraft, spiritual. Uh, you've just, if you're local to Massachusetts, you've got to go check her out. She's down in Bellingham, Massachusetts. Um, and if you're not local, please check them out online uh, at therobinsnestma.com. She's able to ship all over. She's able to get you what you need. She's available for questions. And of course, they have tons of online uh, workshops and classes and rituals. So really a way for you to connect with a spiritual community uh, right now from your home. Check them out, therobinsnestma.com. And send Robbie a little bit of love from me because when you when you meet her when you go to her shop you are going to be transported into a world of loving magic and community growth hey witches registration is now open for that witch life minicon a one-day virtual conference on april 1st join them from anywhere for a full day of workshops. Hillary is teaching a class on shadow magic and Kanani is teaching a workshop on cauldron magic, plus a workshop by Naya Lightfoot called The Power of Inner Knowing, Being Seeker Practitioner, and a highly anticipated masterclass called The Land is Our Grimoire. It's going to be phenomenal. And yes, there will be raffle prizes and rituals and of course, shenanigans. All the classes will be recorded, so if you can't join us on the day, you'll get the recordings later. Register at thatwitchlife.com. Prices go up soon, so don't wait. Again, register at thatwitchlife.com today. on Conversational Witchcraft with Charity Vidal. And we are talking, well, we've had a lot of conversations. We've been talking about magic and witchcraft and spells in the shower and all this kind of fun stuff. Uh, but now we're going to pivot a little bit. And we're going to talk about your awesome new book through Llewellyn. Uh, and it is called Container Magic. Now, for those of you who are uh, listening and not watching, this is the cutest book. Okay. What I love First thing, when I first unpacked this book, I thought, oh, this book is perfect because it's the perfect size. I could put it in my purse and take it with me wherever I want to go. So I, I love, I love that. Um, and then after, you know, uh, getting to know this book and having, um, an, in, I don't want to say an intimate relationship, but a, but a good relationship with this book, I love, and we'll talk about it because it's it's my favorite uh, part of the book is the jar spells chapter. Um, but tell us a little bit about container magic because the subtext is spellcraft using sachets, bottles, poppets, and jars. 
Um, one of the things I love about container magic is that a lot of it is something that you can do and carry with you. Mm-hmm. Like I have like the right book here. Well, yeah, like like in here. This is a start of a money jar. All it needs is now coins to be added to it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But I've got my money herbs in the bottom, and then I just bring it, carry it with me, and I shake it two or three times a day. And I've got my spell working right there. I love it. So how did this book come about? What, what drove you to start this, to, to write this? Why did you want to write this? One of the things I thought was that when I was on the mark, when I was looking at books and looking to book, buy a book for myself, because I love I love reading. I have a huge live personal library of witchcraft, conjure, and magical books of all types. And um, I realized there might be an occasional chapter in a book on poppets, or there might be a little bit of a chapter that covers partial bits about jars. But there was no book that covered basically all all forms of container magic in one thing. You either had to look up just jars or you had to look up poppets or you had to look up sachets. They weren't all together. And there sometimes you could have, there were occasionally books just on sachets. There were books just on jars, but nothing that combined that put them all together. So I'm like, I bet I can put them up. I bet a book putting them all together would sell really well right now, especially knowing the very common and high trend of jar and bottle spells being Mm -hmm. posted on Instagram and TikTok and all over Facebook and Mm -hmm. other social media. Like that's what people are doing and wanting to show off. So I'm like, well, I think I can write a book and fill that with knowledge. So I also went through the my various witchcraft groups that I belonged to on Facebook and looked at what were the most common questions. Like, I did this spell, but it didn't work. Why? Mm-hmm. And then I looked at the some of the questions and how the they were answering. I'm like, okay, that is why you did, your spell didn't work. And ninety percent of the time, it was because they just threw everything in the in the jar and didn't even didn't activate the energy didn't direct any energy didn't tell anything what to do mm-hmm. they thought we just put everything in the jar we shake it and it's going to work right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not so much nope. Not so much. Not so much. Well, that's it because it comes from the practitioner. It comes from you and your intention. And like you said, you have to activate these ingredients and you have to tell them what to do. It's your energy that you're channeling and that that you're using these items as the tool, right? To, To bring forth this energy into your life. It's not like, you know, you, you have to, you have to do the work. And that's, and so that's what I'm like, Okay, so I'm going to take, and so I'll cover this, I'll cover this, I'll cover this, and I'll cover this, and then I'll include that. And then what kind of spells do I want to write? Mm. Well, I like this. I have to include this. I have to include this. You know, I'm going to include this because I've never seen anyone write anything on it before, so I'm going to include that. Right. And that was the chapter on um, packets. Yes. 
that's actually one of the forms of magic that I actually resort to if I'm living in a space where I have limited resources. Mm -hmm. Some of my most successful spellcraft came about just using um, ribbon that you use around wrapping paper for crafts, pen, and paper. And sometimes right. it was, I just sometimes it was writing out a mantra or drawing an image or something related to my goal, and then just folding it up and saying a chant, folding it up, saying a chant, then wrapping the ribbon and using a variation on a witch's ladder to wrap the ribbon around and tie knots. And then I carried that little charm with me for several days, just playing with it whenever I could. Just and then after. Oh, a couple of weeks, I got what I was looking for. That's how I got my first apartment with my husband. It again, these simple, simple things that are. It doesn't have to be complicated, right? It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be difficult. It can be, like you said, pen and paper and a piece of ribbon. Like I've, like you, I've had so much success in doing simple magic that even outside of the kitchen, things that are like um, doing sigil magic, which literally takes a piece of paper and a pen, like that's all it takes, you know, or folding that sigil into, you know, like you said, like a packet and putting it under a candle and letting it burn. Like I've had so much success with spells like that and spell work like that that you go, you kind of go like, why are, why do people overcomplicate this? It's not, it's not that big of a, you know, like it's not that big of a deal. Um, my favorite chapter in this book is the jar spells. Um, my husband will be the first one to tell you I have too many jars and I say, how many jars are too many jars? And the minute I think that I have too many jars, I am out of jars. I put everything in jars and I look for excuses to use them. Not just like making magic jars, but like not just making spell jars, but like I'll drink smoothies out of jars. I use them to store my herbs and spices. I do spells with them. I put flowers in them, like everything about jars I love. And I'm always looking for fun jars. Um, so that's my, that's my favorite chapter of your book. What's your favorite chapter? I think you said that the, the packets, right? The packets was your favorite. The packets was, um, one of the, was probably my favorite chapter because it's not something you find anywhere else. Right. Right. I've, I've seen things like I've seen a couple references to, you know, making packets with cloth and sewing the cloth and then carrying that with the charm, but nothing on like I'm making it using pen and paper. I'm like, so right. I'm like, you know, if I, if I can include this, I bet that's going to make a lot of witches go, Hmm. Seriously, that's all I need to yes. do to do some magic. Yes, and I really like this chapter that you have here on working, feeding, and recharging your container. Can you tell us a little bit about about what you mean by feeding and recharging your container? So, what to feed the container is that, um, in some ways, when you have a container spell. You have a living spirit in that spell, mm. in that jar, because you've got the energy of all the materials plus your own intention, and it's all shaped together, and that becomes its own energetic force and sort of like a mini spirit. 
And so I, you feed it uh, things like passing it through incense, anointing it with oil, or sprinkling a magic powder on the top of the lid. Those are ways that you feed it. And while it, what it is is that you're giving it a fresh layer of energy to just continue doing the work. Mm. You're just giving that spirit a little bit of energy like, okay, thank you. I, I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to now you apply it to this. That seems like a really important step that I would assume that a lot of people miss, right? Is that you can't just, like you said earlier, you can't just throw everything in a jar and leave it there. If you are continuously using this spell jar or this container, you need to make sure that you are checking in with it because it is still working. Is that correct? Yeah. And what is if you don't if you don't keep shake if you don't keep working at them like sh- and that's can be shaking them or for some of some things like some of the packets and such it's not so much shaking but just holding it in your hand and playing with it and just getting it, giving it your energy. Every time you touch and give it the energy, it um, it 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 takes that energy, adds it to the energy that was already there, and uses the new energy on top of the other energy to continue doing the work. That's why you I should really that. feed them at least once a week, and then once a month, a, a recharge where you would basically, it's almost like a recasting, but not quite. So it is really important to feed those jars. And and we need to make that clear because it's still working, that the the container is still working. So we have to make sure that we're always feeding energetically what is in these containers, right? Um, I I think it's just a really cool type of magic that you're talking about here in container magic. You know, um, like you said, it's not stuff that you see all in one place. And one of the things that was that I included two types of containers that aren't commonly talked about, the packets and um, the ball spells. Yeah, the ball spells are really cool. Well, it's, I use, I that came about because I see a lot of, um, I see people posting cute little decorated balls in Etsy shops that are like protection. This is a a witch's ball. It's a, for money is um, that I did research. I'm like, no, that's not what a witch's ball is. A witch's mm-hmm. ball is one specific type of ball spell. Mm-hmm. What you have there is a money ball spell. Mm-hmm. And, it's because, and one of the things I like about the ball charms is that you can make them and then you can put them someplace in your home for them to just work as a beautiful decoration. Mm-hmm. And people don't need to know that it's been a that it's a mag a mag, magical artifact and that it's been made for magical work. They just see a little charm ball. They just see a little ball that's filled with stones or herbs mm-hmm. for decoration. Mm-hmm. So it's very personal because you know what it is, but not everybody needs to know what it is. Um, and I do think that's a really, I think that's really cool, especially if maybe you are in a shared living situation, like maybe you don't own your space and you're sharing a space with people who maybe don't have your same beliefs as you. Um, this is a really great way that you could do something that looks on the outside like a craft, but really is witchcraft. 
and it is working the energy that you've put in the intention. And yet it's not offensive to people who maybe don't understand what you're doing. Exactly. And that's one of the things like, um, like I could take the soda bottle. Yeah. Take off, take off the, the plastic wrap and fill it with herbs for healing. I might get a thing. I might get a little, um, thing of clay and make a little head and I could make this into a little bit of a poppet because it kind of already has the shape of a human body. Right. You got the neck and the head up here, mm-hmm. the torso, and then it comes down to the legs. Well, that's such a cool thing too, because once you start learning about container magic, you see the opportunities to make that, like you, like just that, like the, the, the soda bottle, you see the opportunity to make magic in all of these places that you maybe wouldn't have noticed before. Charity, tell me, um, with this new book, Container Magic, what do you hope the reader will get out of it? What do you hope someone walks away with after reading this book? One of the things, I, the biggest thing I hope they walk away with is realizing that you don't need to get any fancy stuff, any fancy herbs. You can just Go to your kitchen, look in your spice cabinet, Mm -hmm. everything you need for money, healing, protection, love, luck, any of those five things, you can find what you need to make a spell for that in your kitchen cabinet. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I love it so much. Um, Okay. So tell us where we can find container magic. How do we buy it? Uh, and where do we find you online if people want to connect with you? So um, the book is available on Amazon and through Llewellyn. Um, I have a shop on Store Envy that's called Mystic Echoes, and you can buy it on there directly from me. Great, Mystic Echoes. Um, and as for um, where you can find me online. You can find me on Facebook as Charity L. Fidel Author. I have an author page. Great. Um, I'm on Twitter as at Lunar Wind and Charity L. Bedell Author. I have a Charity L. Bedell TikTok. And I have, I believe it's uh, Lunar Wind on Instagram. And we'll put all of your links and everything in the show notes. So everyone will be able to find you. Just go right to the show notes and make sure that you click and follow and like and share and go on to your, uh, maybe find this at your local pagan shop or your local bookstore, Container Magic by Charity Bedell. And Charity, one last question. It's my signature question I ask to everybody that comes on the show. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about today. It's just my signature question. If you could have me as a kitchen witch make you one magical meal, what would it be and why? Probably lasagna or um, or a steak dinner because those are two those are two of my favorite types of food. And I know lasagna has can be done with all different types of herbal combinations for flavors with the the cheese. So those yes. would be the two things I would look at. Lasagna, I like. lasagna is a specialty of mine. 
Yeah, I am a sucker for a good lasagna or a good steak dinner. <laughs> I'm just, I want both of those things right now next to each other. What, we make, what if we make a steak lasagna? Let's just, let's just do that. Let's put like shredded steak in a lasagna. That actually sounds good. Right? <laughs> right? Well, I make a, a, a steak, like a, a shredded, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? like a short rib braised short rib ragu and put that in the lasagna. Now I'm starving charity. Vidal, thank you so much for coming on this show. You are a delightful, um, Glad container magic is available now. Um, and until next time, I wish you all many, many blessings and so much gratitude. Thanks everybody. Take care.